Welcome to the Business of Beverages, drinks industry insights with makers, marketeers, and mischief. Hello, and welcome to BizBev Pod's bi-weekly quiz, where Will P. Keating and myself do battle. Not really a battle of wits, more a battle of beverage-based skills, where we see who can guess the beverage first. And if that's the kind of thing that you like the sound of, you can always support the show by logging on to businessbeverages.com and click the support the show button. Yeah. Do it. Do it now. There we go. Done. <laughs> Don't, let's not even do the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> We've been pushing this hard, but, you know, I, it's an uphill battle, I have to say. It, it, it is. And now to bring that uphill battle all the way downhill with some lowbrow quizzing. Uh, I I was very impressed with our last quiz. I think I think this isn't quite lowbrow. I think we've, we've hit a run of form. We, we have. And we've, we've been doing the show for almost two years now, Will. So oh, you know, we've, we've, kind, we've kind of covered a lot of the heavy-hitting big beverages. So we're getting increasingly niche, which is kind of fun as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I was thrilled, though, uh, with the Hobgoblin versus Cream Soda last time out. I think two two very solid scores, very respectable. Yes. Uh, well, Will, uh, are you ready to do battle again? I am. Right. Would you like to ask the questions first, or would you like to answer the questions first? I'll ask this time. Okay. All right. Okay. So, Foxy, for five points... This drink is made from four grape varieties. Malavista, Bual, Serical, and Vergilio, all of which I have pronounced incorrectly. <laughs> uh, because they all sound Portuguese with your pronunciation. Uh, well, uh, how would I know? Do I know what Portuguese <laughs> sounds like? Did I try and make them sound Portuguese? Or have I just completely screwed them up? Who knows? Um, I don't think this is right. Um, but I am going to guess uh, Syrah. That is not right. That is not right. As you'll know, probably from this next clue. So if you listen carefully, there's, there's a kind of a, there's a silver bullet in here if you can find it, right? As this drink had to be transported by sea, it developed a distinctive aging style over time. The modern method of duplicating this is known as the estufagem process, and the liquid is stored at 60 degrees Celsius for a minimum of 90 days. Hang on, so the estufagem process yeah. is storing us at... Yeah, it holds... So they heat the liquid up, and they yeah. age it for a minimum of 90 days at between 55 and 60 degrees Celsius. And that's, that's replicating good. the ancient or the old-fashioned aging process. That's quite warm. That I, that I mentioned earlier. Yes, it is. It's very that is, warm. That's quite warm. So effectively, what you're you're not force oxidating it, but you're force aging it effectively. Well, it will absolutely oxidate as well. Yeah. So you do get you get forced aging. You get forced oxidation. Hmm. Uh, is it? No, it's not. Uh, is it port? It is not port, but you're you're definitely getting closer. You're definitely getting closer. Um, so the fermentation of this beverage is stopped by fortifying it with grape neutral spirit. Oh, so if it's got spirit, it's probably relatively high in ABV. It is a fortified wine. Mm. Right. Well, the only two fortified wines that I can think of off the top of my head are uh, the aforementioned 
port, which is probably not even a fortified wine. It is. And, oh, uh, well, hang on. Give me those great varieties again. <laughs> uh, uh, Malvista, uh, Bual, Serical, and Virgilio. Yes, suspiciously Portuguese. Is it Madeira? It is Madeira. Yes, it is. Congratulations. Well done. Yeah, the four-point clue started with, as this drink had to be transported by sea. So it had to be transported by sea because it was produced on an island. So the island of Madeira. So for two points, it would have been, this fortified wine is often used as an aperitif or a dessert wine and is named after the island it comes from. And for one point, the, this island's other famous exports include a style of cake and a certain Portuguese soccer superstar. I uh, I didn't know it was initially done for... Well, I suppose it does make sense if you're on a small island that gets exported. Um, but the, the aging thing really threw me. I, I had no idea how it was made these days. So, nor had I. This was a joyous discovery when I went and researched it. So I thought, oh, Madeira, that would be a good one. And then, yeah, this uh, estufa gem process where they they heat it up and they uh, age it for, for a minimum of 90 days. And that's only the cheap stuff. The really good stuff can be 20 to 100 years old, apparently. Well, well fair play to them. Depending on the quality, you, they're either aged in stainless steel vats or in oak casks. So really unusual and interesting. Yeah, I think, is, is it Redbreast have done some Madeira cask uh, yes. whiskey finishes? Yeah. Um, so Madeira casks are prized by uh, whiskey makers for finishing. I'm, I'm not sure I've actually ever had Madeira, to be honest. I don't think I have, now that I come to think of it. Well, maybe, maybe there's an idea for a future episode in there. Maybe If somebody is listening in Madeira, we do have a reasonable number of listeners in Portugal. We, we make the... Uh, uh, we, we make the top 100 marketing podcasts in Portugal, believe it or not, uh, regularly. Uh, you know, we bump down around the bottom, but it, it's amazing to me that, that we do. We, we chart, so to speak. Top, uh, top 100, we'll take it. <laughs> the top 100 marketing podcasts in, in Portugal. I don't think you have to have many downloads in Portugal to hit crack the top 100. No, but we've done it, Will. We've done it. Let us have, let us have it. <laughs> but three points, Foxy. Well done. Excellent. Uh, happy with that. Uh, so, Will, are you ready to answer some questions? I will try my best. All right. So this beverage first appeared in print, or was first mentioned in print, in the play The Private Ear in the UK in 1962. However, both Australia and New Zealand claim to have created this beverage. So a privateer, I don't know the play The Privateer, but a privateer is kind of like a... Private ear. Private ear. Oh, private ear, as in E-A-R. Yes, yes. Oh, as opposed to a privateer, which is kind of like a kind of pirate. Pirate, yeah. Oh, okay, because I was going to go with some kind of, you know. <laughs> uh, okay. The private ear. Okay, I haven't a clue then. Right, that, that, that is, yeah, I haven't a notion. Um, I, I'm guessing, I kind of close enough to the golden age of cocktails, it could be a cocktail. So I'm going to go with a cocktail, and I'm going to go with a Harvey Wallbanger. It's not a Harvey Wallbanger. Um, I don't know where that was created, but it, it maybe Australian New Zealand are arguing over that as well. But but for four points, Will, according to a survey of industry commentators, this beverage has several defining char- characteristics. Chief among is a thin layer of velvety microfoam of around 20 millimetres, which in turn creates a meniscus atop the beverage. Oh, my goodness. 
Oh, so name a foamy drink. Well, um, oh, there's lots of them, but cappuccino is like screaming out at me, but there's no way that a cappuccino certainly became, was first mentioned in, or is there? Ooh. Uh, Hell, I'm going to go for it. Cappuccino. Uh, It's not cappuccino, but your head is going in the right direction. <laughs> so, so what it may help? We had cappuccino before, did we? We did. Yes, remember yeah. the, the capuchin monks? Yeah, and it was, the, it was something about. Uh, yeah, so I remember that uh, it was named after the color of the capuchin monks, and the monks named after the monkeys. Uh, uh, but it was Austrian or something weird like that, wasn't it? Yes, that it was, yeah. the cappuccino. Yes. Okay, I should have known that. But anyway, well, look, you're you're in the right zone now. Okay. So you're, you're getting there, right? So uh, this beverage became popular in the UK from 2005, but oddly only since 2013 in the US, mostly thanks to the trend at the time of Australian coffee shops. And Starbucks only added it to its menu in 2015. So, okay, I'm going to talk myself through this now. Yes. Right. So I'm thinking it's either a latte or a mochaccino, but I, I, I can't believe either one of those is so late an entry into Yes. And and I, I would roll back your thinking a little bit. So you're 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 in you're in a coffee shop, there is a menu. Yeah. So if it is Australia and New Zealand that claim to have created it, it's probably not going to be an Italian sounding word. No, I didn't or think I don't spend enough time in coffee shops, Foxy. You are the coffee aficionado in this relationship. Um, so you, you've got like a, you know, everything sounds Italian in a coffee shop, doesn't it? There, there is one that is very much English words. Flat white. It is a flat white. God. Now, what's the difference between a flat white and a latte? If you can tell me that, you have earned yourself. A prize. It's the it's the microphone. Uh, Will so basically, a flat white has a flatter top of the uh, milk density. So with a cappuccino or a, a particularly a latte, you are looking at forty millimeters plus of foam. Oh. Whereas with a flat white, it can be as low as one millimeter, uh, giving it a flatter top. And then when you drink it, so there's slightly more caffeine content because it's in a smaller measure. And then when you drink it, that microphone is supposed to leave similar to what you get in a pint of Guinness, the the lacing going down the cup. Okay. Well, I was about to uh, roll my eyes, so uh, metaphorically, in terms of you know measuring head height and whether that really makes any difference. But since you and I have both earned our living um, <laughs> measuring you know, head heights, measuring head heights, that maybe we should actually just. Uh, so I actually have in my hand Tristan Stevenson's "The Curious Barista's Guide to Coffee," and I will study that to my heart's content later on. Make sure that I am more up to speed with my coffee drinks. I should have got that a little quicker. Well, you know, for, for the one pointer, Will, it was going to be in the UK, the phrase, the flat white economy has been used to describe London's network of internet media and creative businesses. Happy days. There you uh, go. I wonder if uh, that uh, flat white economy has been powered by the uh, barter accounts. <laughs> well, let's not get into that. You know, <laughs> you, you don't make the top 100 marketing podcasts in Portugal by getting litigious. 
Um, right. Well, congratulations. Uh, fantastic. Well done. You know, I, I, I was sure you were going to get Madeira before the, the Ronaldo clue, but if uh, if all else failed, I thought your football knowledge would definitely see you through on that one. Yeah. And, and once again, Will, we've had an alcoholic beverage and a non-alcoholic beverage in the quiz. Perfectly balanced, as ever. Just like a really good flat white. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Business of Beverages. It's been our pleasure to bring you this episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe and recommend us to one other friend or colleague. As ever, we are independently produced and self-funded, so we appreciate your support in listening, sharing, or reviewing this podcast. You can, of course, follow us on Twitter, where we go by at bizbevpod. If you'd like to support us further, you can find us on buymeacoffee.com forward slash bizbevpod. Go subscribe. <laughs>